Hello and welcome to this episode of the PD Smash Podcast and the first PD Smash Podcast that is on Spotify and on the exclusive PD Smash Podcast channel. Yes, that is right. There is now a Spotify and a YouTube channel for this podcast where after next episode... I will be uploading exclusively on those two as well as on my blog and the podcast will no longer appear on my first YouTube channel. So if you are watching on our first YouTube channel, the link will be in the description of this episode and next episode. So if you want to click there on at any time, you can go and listen to the newest updated versions of the podcast on those channels. Now, to get into really what you all have been waiting for, first I really just want to talk about Roger's entire situation. Next, I want to talk about the Nets' one big problem and how I see they can fix it. Then I want to do a Super Bowl preview of the Buccaneers versus Chiefs. And then finally, I want to talk about the me the Utah Jazz and what they need to do to get to the next level. And then finally, we're going to talk about the Mahomes versus Brady comparison and who will end up being greater. Now, first back to Rodgers. If you've been paying attention to the rumors or anything like that in the current news, you now know that Rodgers thinks his time with Green Bay is a mystery. It's a wonderful mystery. That's what the future is. So this raised a lot of questions like, where is Aaron Rodgers going? Does he think he'll be in Green Bay next season? There's so many questions. Now, when I first heard this, my initial thought was, he's gone. There's no way he's coming back. He's just trying to be nice about it. But then I started to really think about it, and it's like, okay, you guys made it to the national, the conference championship, and you still have things you need to improve. I like Martez Valdez Scanling. I butchered that name a little bit, but it's all right. And I also like Adam Lazar, and I think in, I'm not even going to try to say him, but one of the St. Saint Bra- Brown brothers. He, nope, not going to attempt it. I think that receiving core is solid, but there's definitely places where you could improve that in the draft. I think that there's defensive holes that still need to be filled. I think it's a good defense, but I think you would like to see one more safety put in there. That would be really nice if they could get an impact safety. And then just making sure you shore up that offensive line. I think that, yes, there's a chance Aaron Rodgers leaves, but I think if they fix those things... The Packers are going to be able to keep Aaron Rodgers. And also, Aaron Rodgers could just want more security long term. He could want more money or just a longer deal because that's what these new quarterbacks are getting. And he is in the upper echelon of quarterbacks. And he's not, you know, young by any means. But he's not like Brady 43 any year he can... Well, I don't think any year he's going to retire. But I think that in a few years he's going to retire. I don't think this is like something like 
oh, I'm going to play for the next five, six years. I think this is something like, I'm going to play probably one, two more years after this. Versus Rodgers, where I could see him playing till he is 43, 44, which would be five, six years from now. Anyway, uh, that's my thoughts on that whole kind of Aaron Rodgers things. I think Aaron Rodgers is really just waiting to see what the Green Bay Packers are able to do through the draft and what they are going to be able to do in terms of giving him more money. Now, moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Nets have a problem. And that problem is defense. Now, you're one of two camps on this issue. Either you're the camp that's like, ah, it doesn't matter that much, they can get stops when they need it. Or you're in the camp like me, well, not really like me, or you're really in the camp of, you need a big man to help alleviate the pressure for DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre Jordan is not that good of a player anymore in the NBA level and he's really not that great of a defender anymore. But I really want to propose a third option. What if they were somehow able to get someone like Robert Covington? Someone who's able to run the small ball five. Someone who gives you that interior defensive presence. And someone that you can run a sort of death lineup 2.0 with. Because I like, I like, oh my gosh, I just forgot his name. Jeff Green, there we go. I like Jeff Green as a player, but I don't think he's good He's good enough to play small ball 5. But I think if you roll out a death lineup, it would be like a death lineup 2.0. With Kyrie, Harden, Katie, and then in the next two spots, you have Spencer Dinwiddie and... You have uh, Robert Covington because you three you think about it you get rim protection there with Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and with Rocco you also get a little bit of low post defense with Harden that's his best area of defensive prowess and then up top you have quickness at least with Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie is a big guard. He's like 6'5", so you're still getting a real, some quality defensive production from him. So if you're able to play that off, I could see that death lineup almost working, it being a death lineup 2.0. So I think that's what they really need to target. They don't need to target a big man because regardless of what they... How do I put this? Regardless of what big man they're going to get out of the buyout market, they're not gonna, he's not going to be a good enough defender. But if you're able to get someone like Roquo for maybe Jeff Green, and I don't know, Jeff Green and someone at the end of your bench, or a second round pick somewhere, because let's be honest with each other, who really cares about your future at this point? It's already wrecked. Just accept that. Anyway, so if you're thinking about it that way, you throw in one or two first round picks in Jeff Green for Roquo, and then you're able to, at the end of the game, run lineups with Kevin Durant out there, who's 6'10", 6'11". You have Rocco, who can show that he's been able to give you some rim protection. You have James Harden, who's a really switchable defender. You have Spencer Dinwiddie, who's also a switchable defender out there. And then you have Kyrie, who 
is a lethal scorer, who's guarding that? Like, what, you're going to sag off Rocco? No. You're going to sag off Kevin Durant? No. Kyrie? No. Spencer Dinwiddie? No. You're not going to sag off anyone there. And all five of those players can create the shot to some, some degree. So, like, that's that would be a really cool thing to see. And I think if they can make that work, they were able to, like, yeah, Jeff Green, some at the end of the bench, a couple of second round picks. I could see that being a really great addition. And I could see that also being a good addition to Portland because they're doing well right now. And although Rocco does improve their defense somewhat, I think Jeff Green is, gives the Portland a little more offense. And although I don't necessarily know if they need it more than their defense, I just think that it's a good enough trade to where if you're getting a couple second round picks and maybe a young player that you can develop and maybe turn into a Gary Trent type 2.0 type player, I think for Portland is also a good trade. So I could, I could see something like that going through and I would really, I think that'd be cool to see. Now, moving on to my next topic here, which is the Super Bowl preview. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this, but not much. It's really not that exciting of a Super Bowl. I really would have rather seen Green Bay and Bills or Green Bay and Kansas City or Tampa Bay and the Bills. This is like my least favorite matchup out of the four that we could have gotten out of the championship rounds. But with that in mind, I still think there's going to be a really interesting game and I think it's going to come down to a couple key factors. How well can... Patrick Mahomes do against the blitz of the Tampa Bay defense? And also, how well can the Tampa Bay defense do prevent Patrick Mahomes from those big chunk plays? Those big 30-plus yarders, those 40-plus yarders, those 20-plus yarders, where they just get absolute money after money after money shot from these plays. I think that's going to be the really key part because if Tampa Bay can't stop the big chunk plays, then the game's going to get out of hand really quickly because although they can score in bunches, it's so much easier for Kansas City to score and put up 50 than it is for the Buccaneers to score and put up 50. So I think Tampa Bay's defense doesn't have to hold the Kansas City offense to like 25 points. They just have to limit the big plays and hold it to 30. And then I think this game can be definitely competitive. Now, for them to win, though, they need Tom Brady to be better than he was in the championship round. They need him to be versus Eagles Tom Brady. Where, yes, he did make a pretty crucial mistake in the final stages of that game. But before that, he was exceptional. He was absolutely exceptional in that game. I think he passed for over 500 yards that entire game. And I think if you get 500 yards out of Tom Brady, you're able to get defense, you're able to hold the Kansas City Chiefs to 30, 31 points, and you're able to get some production from Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. I think you're in a really good position to win that game. Now, if you're Kansas City, you need to do a couple things. One, you need to, on the defensive end, do your best to make sure that Tom Brady 
doesn't manage away the game. Because that's going to be your biggest fear there. Tom Brady can't out-throw Patrick Mahomes at this point in his career, but he can definitely out-manage him. That's what he did against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, if you look statistically, had a much better game. But it was the fact that Tom Brady in the clutch was able to outmanage Aaron Rodgers, and that defense was able to hold Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers' big playability down. And they got stopped at the goal line twice. If that doesn't happen, Green Bay wins that game. But Tom Brady was able to manage the game well enough. And the defense of the Packers, not the Packers, my apologies, the defense of the Buccaneers was able to hold the big play ability, so they won. And that's going to be the same thing that happens here. So if you're the Kansas City defense, you need to make sure in those critical moments at the end of the first half, at the end of quarters, at the end of the game, you're not getting outmanaged. And I think that's going to hold, go, that's going to fall a lot on Spagnola, the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, because if Spagnola is able to out game plan and outsmart Tom Brady, then that's going to give the Chiefs a big edge. Or at least match Tom Brady's stride for stride. Kind of how Frank Vogel, Frank, I think that's his name, Frank Vogel for the Tennessee Titans did against the New England Patriots a few years back with Tom Brady. I think that was last year, actually, where the Titans, Frank Vogel outcoached Bill Belichick. And I think if Spags is able to outsmart Tom Brady or at least stay on his level, that's going to give the Kansas City defense a major boost and thus the Kansas City team. And the other thing is Patrick Mahomes can't play hero ball. They have to run the ball. They have to control the clock. They can't throw it 50 times. And Patrick Mahomes can't try to take it all on himself. Yes, he still needs to do all his spe- all the things that make him special. But he needs to make sure that he doesn't try to do too much. Because when he tries to do too much, that team is going to implode in on itself. And I don't think that w- that's good for the chances of winning the Super Bowl. But overall, I do think the Chiefs win their second straight, which would be insane. It's only been done a handful of times, one of which by Tom Brady. And I think that that is a very important notion that needs to be recognized. Now next, I want to talk about the New York, the Jazz. Now, the Jazz are an interesting team because the Jazz are always, for the past few years, have been good. They've never been great. Every team has been respectful of them, but no team has feared them. And I'm talking about playoff teams. Of course, the New York Knicks of the past. Not this year, though. But of the past would fear them. Of course, all the teams at the bottom of the league would fear playing them, but I'm talking about like the upper echelon of teams. But, so, my question was to myself before I started recording this, what exactly is it going to take for the Utah Jazz to take that next step? Because right now, they're tied for the best record in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken, as I'm recording this. It's either that or like a half game back or a half game ahead. 
It's really close. It, so, like, what's going to make them be in that top three, top two conversation? Because right now it's the two LA teams, and then it is the it is the Nuggets, and then you might even put the Phoenix Suns over the Jazz right now. So what what is it going to take? What is it going to take for the Utah Jazz to leapfrog, leapfrog some of these teams? And for that, it's going to be the play of Donovan Mitchell. Now, most people are like, oh, what does that mean? He needs to average more assists. He needs to average more points. He needs to average more rebounds. He needs to get more block. He needs to get more steals. He needs to play better on defense. And I'm going to say no to all of that. I think the next step for Donovan Mitchell is situational awareness. I think that I think that for the Jazz to take the next step, Donovan Mitchell needs to be able to do more than one type of thing. Because right now, every night, you're getting the same thing from Donovan Mitchell. You're getting 24 points, 25 points, or more, and you're getting a bunch of points, but you're not really getting that much playmaking. You're not really getting, like rebounding, and you aren't getting elite defense. For Donovan Mitchell to take that next step, and for the Utah Jazz to take that next step, Donovan Mitchell may not need to average any more of one of those, but one game he needs to be able to, instead of scoring 26 points and giving you 4 assists, he needs to give you 19 points and 15 assists, or 10 assists. And then one night, instead of averaging 24 points and 4 assists, he needs to average like 19 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds, and 2 steals. Or maybe one night, he scores 15 points, but he guards James Harden and holds him to 5. And then he also gets 7 assists and 7 rebounds. Like, Donovan Mitchell needs to just be more multi-dimensional in his play because we know he can score but scoring's not enough and he can still average the same amount of points but just be able to show more so when playoffs come he doesn't have to score 40 points to keep his team in games he can score 20 points but since he's such a great passer and because he's an even better defender the team's still in the game because he was able to do it in a different way. He was able to take over the game in a different way. You're able to see this with all the great players of, like, this era. Nikola Jokic, he could have 30 points. He could have 18 assists. He could have 18 rebounds. LeBron, one... One game, it looks like he's just passing the ball left, right, assist after assist after assist after assist. And then the next game, he goes off for 42, 20 in the fourth quarter on 90% shooting. James Harden, he can do the same thing. Kevin Durant, same thing. Luka Doncic, same thing. It's all these things. He doesn't even need to average more of anything. He just needs to be able to switch between types of games because that's what the truly great are able to do that's what the top five players in the nba are able to do top 10 like even Giannis, 
He can give you a bunch of assists. He can give you a 20-20 game. He can give you a 15-assist game. He can give you 20-15-15 if you really needed to. Like, that's the type of things that Donovan Mitchell need to be able to do, not on a daily basis, but when needed. Now, moving on to the final topic I have, which is the Mahomes versus Brady goat debate. Now, you may be asking yourselves, how can you have this debate when Mahomes is in his what? Would this be third full year of playing? And to that, I really say it's dependent on what comes next. Because if Mahomes loses to Brady in this championship game, it's going to be really hard for Mahomes to really get a realistic case for a GOAT. Because he would have lost to Brady twice to get on his path to a Super Bowl. Once in the conference championship and once in the championship. But if Mahomes wins, he has two championships in his three years starting. Some of the most prolific, there we go, prolific passing stats single season wise. And he's on pace to break every single record. And say, that opens the door for them to win three straight. And if they win three straight, then what? You're going six to three, one in a fraction of the time with better stats, better arm talent, and something that has never been done before. If Mahomes is able to win three straight, then that really opens the door wide open for Mahomes. So I think there's a lot of, lot of chances for Mahomes to be to either make his GOAT status or his ability to become the GOAT either soar or just stagnate. Because if he loses to Brady, what is it going to take for him to become and be considered one of the people who could be the GOAT? What? He'd need to win more championships than Brady, right? He'd end up needing to be a better he need to be better on all statistical categories, and that still might not even be enough because of that head-to-head loss. It would always be that nagging, yes, Mahomes is better in all the statistical categories, but when it comes down to it, Mahomes couldn't beat Brady when Brady wasn't even in his prime. Because let's get this straight, this is not Brady's prime. Brady's prime wasn't even like this past run of Super Bowls. It was before that. It was like 2013-ish. And we can get into... There's no whole other debate about the 2018 MVP and how it shouldn't have been him. But that's another debate for another time. But you see what I mean, though? Like, Mahomes would have to win 10 or 11 Super Bowls. Be able to go in like 13 appearances... And he'd have to shatter most of, if not all, the passing records to be considered the GOAT. The passing becomes so much harder if he loses. But if he wins, the path is achievable in the next three to five years. Because you win another one, then you take a year or two off, then you win two more and you're at five and Brady's at six, but you beat Brady head-to-head and you've won three straight. And you're a better arm talent. That could have already made him the GOAT. What would that be? Seven years into his career? Like, 
that's a possibility. There's a possibility that this game could determine him becoming the GOAT before he turns 30, or him not even becoming the GOAT if he plays until he's 50. So that's why this debate is so important to have now, because this game is more crucial than a lot of people realize. So I just wanted to throw that out there so everyone kind of had that in their brains when they watched this. Because the regular season matters, yes, and postseason success matters. But what really matters the most is head-to-head success on the biggest stage. If you don't have that, it's very hard to overcome your opponent. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the PD Smash Podcast. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want to listen to this podcast on the blog, or you want to, by some miracle, read my articles, you can go and click the link in the description and check out my blog. If you want to contact me, you can also go to my blog, and you can text me using the phone number or emailing email me using the email. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time, PD Smash, signing off.